0: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're here to talk about the defense from that game against the Miami Dolphins 56-19 to route on Sunday. It was a lot of fun to be there. It was a not a great defensive performance, I wouldn't say, but here to talk about it with me is Josh Reed. Josh, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Ken, but what a, what a wonderful way to open, uh, bring in the new year with that, with that huge win. I'm um, glad to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. And I don't think it could be a happier new year, Right now, than we have in Baltimore. The the, the uh, you know obviously there is one question that came up. I kind of bring that up and and give the proper crediting on this. Um, but one of the listeners asked uh, if there had been a better two week stretch in Ravens history uh, than what's happened before, and and I really I'm not sure that's happened before. But I did come up with a few other. Um, uh, possibles on the list, and these these are ones that you may agree, you may not, and I completely understand if you if you take this too. This is beating the best team in each conference in consecutive weeks. That's that's really hard to top. If you're talking about like excitement and great wins for the franchise and whatnot, I might go back to the 2000 shutout win over Pittsburgh in the opener that was followed by the Jacksonville thriller at home to go two and zero that really established the Ravens as a force in the AFC that year. Um, there's others as well. I I don't think we need to go through the whole set here. Um, they beat the Rams though, in 2019, 45 to six on Monday night football, and then beat the 49ers, 20 to 17, keeping the ball away from them, uh, for the final six minutes or so of the game the next week. That was a great double right there too. Uh, you got others that you want to talk about? Um,
1: I'm trying to think. Was there a two game stretch in in twenty eleven where there were were there two games? I, I know that was a pretty fun season for me. I, I if I if I can recall, um,
0: I, I did look at it. I couldn't find a twenty eleven streak. But if you wanted to, it'd be something like beating Cincinnati right before the Harbaugh game on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking yeah.
1: about the the Ravens Ravens Forty uh, Nine ers game, but I couldn't remember which game was sandwiched either before or after that game.
0: Yeah, so that was that was a good one, definitely. Uh, in, in Lamar's rookie year, they beat the chargers in the soccer stadium, 22 to 10. They had to go out, fly across the country for a Saturday game. It was a nightmare. Um, and then in, the next week they came home and held off the Browns 26, 24 on Mosley's interception to win the AFC North. That was a, that was a hell of a two game stretch. Yeah.
1: What about, uh, 2014? Didn't they open like a the big win over the Bengals and then beat the Steelers on the short week or something like that, or?
0: Um, 2014. I did look. I didn't see one from that year. So let me see what we got in 2014. They lost to the Bengals in the opener in 2014, 23-16. That was a game where C oh, Smith yes, caught a 80-yard touchdown pass, and then they followed it up immediately with a long pass going the other way. AJ Green, that guy. Yeah. All right, and then they they toasted the Steelers the next week, which is kind of nice. Anyway, people gonna look at this. I got to one more for you. 2003, the comeback against Seattle. Was followed up by the home destruction of the Bengals that that effectively gave them the lead in the division. They actually barfed it up the next week out in out in Oakland, but they but they effectively won the division based on that game. Um, and uh, uh, that was a great two game stretch. But anyway, we we digress. Let's get back to the the topic at hand because it's really a topic worth talking about. Is this. Great defensive effort uh, against the uh, against the Dolphins. So they entered the game with this enormous set of injuries. This is part of the reason why I think this effort could be a little underrated in this game. But basically, everything was wrong in the secondary all at once. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you like, I, when I when I saw when I saw saw. I pretty much wake up around the time uh, the inactive start because, you know, the game start at one o'clock, one o'clock Eastern time, which is like nine a.m. Alaska time. So I, I usually wake up around like, like eight, eight a.m. Alaska time and kind of get myself oriented. First thing I do is check the inactive list. When I saw Brandon Stevens and Kyle Hamilton, I was like, oh, God, I mean, it, even though I know they don't they don't have Jaden Wall, but still, that's um. Man, those, those those two guys have been like you know, the rock of that secondary all season. Even when Marlowe wasn't wasn't in there, you know, Brandon Stevens was holding down on one side and Kyle Hamilton has really kind of been the, the most not kind of been the most indispensable player in this defense all season. So I was just I was I was sweating bullets at, at the start started that game and then when Miami started moving the ball kind of at will, I was like, Oh, here we go. You know, they, they know Hamilton's not there and they're taking full advantage of it. And um, just like the way that that, that they stepped, that the cornerbacks and the rest of the defensive back really stepped up and then continued to step up even after more injuries set in was really impressive to me. A lot of great open field tackling. Arthur Millette and Ronald Darby deserve huge kudos to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're they're both among uh you know the top players on the defense for me this year. They they, they really did take advantage, Miami did. Um, with that ball-out quick passing game of theirs, throwing the ball to the perimeter before pressure could develop play after play after play. And we'll get to some detail on that a little bit later. But they they, they got the ball outside and they got them into the hands of speedy, speedy guys, Hill and, and Achan, both of whom are devastating open field threats. And this would have been a great place to have Hamilton available to uh, Hamilton's tackling and Hamilton's block shedding would have really helped. One thing I noticed, and and you know, I was I had the same kind of feeling that you did about how effectively and how scarily they were moving the game early on with their scripted plays in particular. I mean, they just they mowed through the Ravens defense during that time. And what really showed up was how well the blocking was at getting hat on hat at the linebackers, at other players, and then a-, a chan it wasn't even like a lot of those holes were difficult for him to get through and then make big runs, but he's you know, he gets into level two without being touched, and he's he's devastating in terms it's of like,
1: it's like Keaton Mitchell. It's like it's, it's like it's like watching it's like, like, it's like, it's like a, Mitchell, like I am watching Keaton Mitchell though. I was like, know, this is what 34 would be doing for the Ravens if he was in a game right now. This like as soon as like as soon as the Ravens give up that edge, a lot of times it was it was 08, um in this this game, like as soon as he gave up that edge or we just whipped on that one tackle. Bam, twenty yards. Bam, forty yards. And I was just like, man, you can't, you can't give up those creases. Not against this team. Not with this speed.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's, very, it's exactly like him, and it, it's amazing. But those two backs are the greatest in the in the Davoa history. So in the last forty years, they're the best two backs in terms of Davoa, um, and and uh, uh, nobody is close in forty plus carries. No, no, no one is even remotely close. And so it's, their, their seasons are really remarkable. I was actually hoping the Ravens would, would be able to box A-Chan up a little bit, hold him to three or four yards a carry, which obviously that didn't happen. Uh, he was up up near seven again. Might, might have been over that, in fact. But, but it, you know, reduce his yards per carry for the season by some, you know, practical amount. But uh, uh, so Keaton Mitchell's still still ahead of him in terms of yards per carry, but um, he's been absolutely remarkable this year. And it yes. uh, looks it's like scary. a good deal.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that one of those guys wouldn't know what the third round, and the other one undrafted, just because yep. like, given given their similar playing styles. I remember when I was looking at them both, you know, like, you know, pre draft, I thought that just given the nature of where Keaton Mitchell went to college, that he's probably going to go later than A Chain. A Chain played yep. in the SEC. Keaton Mitchell played in, the, I think, the, the American Conference or something like that. Sunbelt, oh. is it? In, yeah, I it's yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, Sunbelt, Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, with the, uh, he went to uh, East Carolina. So I think it's in the same. Oh, ECU. Thing. You're right. It is ECU. Yeah.
0: But that still might be Sun Belt. I'm, yeah, I'm not yeah, I think, sure. yeah,
1: I think it's yeah, Sunbelt. America America Conference. is like a, it was like a SMU and stuff. But yeah, it, anyway, I just, I just give, I just figured, given the nature of of where he went to school, that he might you know, drop to like you know day three, and that a chain, given where he where he went to school and all the numbers he put up, how prolific he was, that he'd be a, a late late day two kind of guy. Which kind of I I was not so surprised that Keaton fellow when I drafted all all together, and I was elated when the Ravens picked him up. He was one of my favorite running backs in the draft.
0: Great priority pickup, and I'm. You know, to both get Vorries by trade in round seven, which I think is really going to work out for the Ravens, or at least it has a chance to really work out for the Ravens, and then still get a priority free agent like um, uh, Keaton Mitchell, it just gives you all kinds of good feeling about the way this this front office really understands how the rest of the league is going to draft and that there's other positions they're going to draft for before running back. And then the Ravens have the ultimate running back sales pitch, and he wears number eight for this team. Yeah, you know, so was, I just
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just honestly, I just love the force side of this organization. You know, just overall. I mean, getting guys like Malik Cunningham uh, on the roster before, before mm-hmm. a guy like Tyler Huntley set to hit the free agent market. You know, you know, getting getting a guy like I said Voorhees, and you know, you got some older. You got John Simpson a one year deal, and, and Kevin Zyler entering the last final year of his deal, and you, you pretty much already have four guys on the roster who are going to be competing for those two guard spots next year. So yeah, I really love I really love the force side of this organization, and it's it's really. Man, Eric DeCosta really deserves flowers for all the work that he did from literally from March until August building this team, and then even then some because Kaufmanoy was an in-season yeah. addition. So,
0: yeah, I, 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 it's it's certainly been a fantastic year for him in terms of of being able to go after things. The only you know the only transaction that really does not look good in terms of the money spent is Beckham, and and even that I think you can live with the Aguilar signing. I think is has been pretty damn good considering. Uh, Certainly for the money involved, but also I think for for, even when you consider the draft pick, which I was not okay with originally. But Aguilar's turned out to be a much better player than expected. Um, And yeah, they've, you know, they've done, they've gotten exactly the edge defenders they needed. They've uh, gone to the secondary and gotten guys who are extremely serviceable in, in, um, in Derby. And yes, and who hasn't played that much. We thought he was going to be a starter, but, you know, they've obviously done a lot in in terms of of putting this together. But let's come back to the defense for this game for a little bit because I, I want to talk a little bit more about the problems in the secondary coming into this game because JAD went on the shelf this week. So he went on IR. That effectively will end his season. He's not yep. a guy the Ravens are going to be looking to bring back for the Super Bowl or anything like that. They, they, they could talk that way, but it, it ain't happening. And Hamilton Stevens out. Humphrey injured on the second series of the game on, on a field goal attempt of all places. Like, Why is it important that Marlon Humphrey out attempting field goal blocks for your team? What's the, I thought the same Steven? thing. What is the marginal gain from that in terms of expectation? Can't be much. I mean, your field goals are almost always blocked on the interior now, um, in, in the NFL, and almost never on the exterior. But you, you know, if they get blocked, they get blocked on the on the on the interior. Um just really bothers me that that you know Humphrey is the guy you're still using on on field goal blocks at this point. They took Ed Reed off the punt team after It's either two or three years in the league, and he blocked four punts and returned three of those for touchdowns, and they still took him off the punt team. Yeah, yeah, it
2: gets
1: to the point where a guy is, is 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 too valuable to I wouldn't say waste on those plays, but like you know, like the risk just, on those plays. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Risk on those plays It's just you know, like if all the defensive backs like, at that po- at that point, you know, they weren't depleted. You know, like you know, they were they were you know, it was it? They were down. They were definitely down. That, but you know, like this, you have so many other special core special teams guys who were slender and, and fast and explosive. You could have stuck out there. Why? Why your three time Pro Bowler? Why, why yeah. your only starts like you know, starting cornerback that you got
0: left standing? Yep, yep. It, it just no, it's not sensible in any stretch, but uh, but anyway, he's uh, he, he's so he's gossed at this point, and that's not the end of it because Marcus Williams obviously still nursing this pec injury. And as much as he's gotten a little bit better as a tackler every week, there's still a sense that he's not able to really um wrap up appropriately on a regular basis, and and we've seen him do it occasionally. And then we see him do some hurting still in terms of that tackling functionality. You yeah. Saw the yeah. Enact- Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was saying with the Williams, like, you know, like one week he's making a clutch uh, open field tackle in the Jacksonville Jaguars game. And next week he's still kind of like, all right, man, can you, Maybe I won't say I don't. I don't like the hip drop tackle, but I won't say like drop a hip, but like you know, it's like bring the guy down instead of getting taken for a ride, you know. Um So I, I know it's still something he, that he's working through, and and it's, it's just going to be something that he, he, he works through and for the rest of this season going forward here into the playoffs.
0: Pepe Williams, you saw the inactive list; he was there. It seemed like a really—I I don't know what yeah, Pepe Williams I was a stunner was doing in, in in practice, but obviously, it can't be very good. If you're willing to go with eight defensive backs for that game, Adams is one of them. So Adams, while a you know long in the tooth NFL safety is has not played um, any real competitive football now in a while. I guess he played some last year, but it's been a, it's you know it's been a while since he's been out there playing ball. So you know I don't know what's going on with Pepe, but I got to feel it. It'll, it's going to be difficult for him to make the team next year. Would be my guess. Then you have Arthur Mallette and he he played well but the problem was he he went out with a knee injury um he was on the injury report during the week and then he went out with an injury of some sort leg injury let's call it because it looked like he was hobbling to the sidelines he, mm-hmm. you, that's yeah. what you observed as well yeah yeah same, yeah, yeah. uh but fortunately got him back and then and then of course Pierce and Worley collide and Pierce seemed to get the worst of it at the time but he got right up or, or he got up and 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 was cleared and returned for two snaps so Tells me no concussion protocol for him, so that's good news. Worley is a different story. I mean, Worley appears to be probably in the concussion protocol, even though it's funny, the Ravens always label those as stingers. Stingers, yeah, two two guys with stingers. I was like, what? Um, Anyway, very impressed with what this Ravens set up back up, defensive backs, was able to do against the Miami Dolphins. I mean, this is a team that can throw the ball around a little bit, and um, you know, I, I, I credit a lot of it the players themselves who did some really good tackling in the open field, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But I also credit a lot of it to McDonald for having a scheme where those players' responsibilities can be minimized um, enough so that you don't um, have them beat themselves or put them in a position where the where the opponents can pick on them uh, very easily.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were some times that, that Rocky Sun kind of got got sometimes, but those weren't, like, egregious. They were, like, really, like – excellent throws by Tua, more more so than it was like poor technique on his part or, you know, him just getting straight up beat. It was like it took like pretty good throws. And I they thought that one deep down the left sideline to Tyreek Hill. It was like right in right in the bucket. So it's not much a defensive back can do at that point. And so it's like the fact that he was in position and was there to make a play, you know, like I said, that that's sometimes you're just gonna get beat by a great throw to to a great receiver.
0: Yeah, that, that's like one of the basic precepts, I think, that, that most defensive coordinators or defensive back coaches will teach is there's really no defense against the perfect throw. And that, that ball was thrown so perfectly, it, it, there was nothing to be done about it. And Tyreek Hill is a fast human being that Rakia can't really stay with every step of the way. He's, he's got to get kind of lucky for that his radius of affecting the football to overlap with, with where that ball ends up going.
1: Yeah, actually, on that play, I was actually more—I was actually more upset with 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 Williams for being late getting over there, more so than I was Rock for getting beat. I was like, man, you know, you got to know where ten is on every play. Like, you yeah. should always cheat, cheat to his side. And he was like, maybe like a couple feet off. Like, he was like in the same frame when the ball got there. But I was like, man, if you just haul ass over there, maybe you could have helped. You know, potentially break that up, or you know, maybe carried him out of, pushed him out of balance off the sideline, do the work for you. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just, man, I, I just. I just know I was like, if Kyle Hamilton was there, if Kyle Hamilton, like you know, because like the Ravens use him in so many different ways. Sometimes he is that back there playing deep safety and covering guys and that length. And even though he's not as maybe not be as fast as a guy like like Marcus Williams, but the fact that, that length in that in that range,
0: man, he can close space so quickly. I think Stevens would have been our big chance, and 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 know of, of our current corners to be in the right position at the right time on that throw to Hill. It probably still wouldn't have worked out because the, the throw was so yeah, good. Yeah, the throw your throw was great. Yeah. Um. This is really this is really amusing. And I didn't really have this on my on my list of things I want to talk about. But if you go into the game, we just watched the offense go through the offensive line play tonight. And one thing we noticed as we were going through is that at about eight minutes of the third quarter, John Harba is holding up a sheet in front of his mouth that is actually readable. And I'm wondering, any listener out there has access to software that can allow you to make those things more readable. So I know they've done like the Cowboys draft chart. Jimmy Jones just flashed it up at one point and the, and the coach told him, please don't flash that draft chart up there. Yeah. And, and and then people all had, all had the whole thing and they they were able to reconstruct it like that. I know there are people who looked at the Better Call Saul code book that the veterinarian had and they were able not only, not only to, to reproduce the pages of the code that had been, people had been flipping through, but also to decode it. So that they know, you know what what this cipher kind of kind of meant. So I'm wondering if anybody has access to software that can improve that visual look. It's in the third quarter, maybe about eight and a half minutes to go, something like that. And we I must have spent five to seven minutes looking at it, and trying to identify words on the back. Some of the handwritten stuff is readable, and he's also got printed stuff that could be even more readable if if the thing could be cleaned up. But it's an interesting kind of thing because as Special teams at the top, and then it has offense, I think, and then something else. But I, 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 it's, it's, it's hard to read if you're not allowing the picture to go by, and then if you allow the picture to go by, you don't have time to read it because it just you know it's like flashed up on the screen for a second. But it's, it's one of those really interesting things. I'd love to know what's on that sheet.
1: Yeah, maybe if somebody got it on TVR with a high-definition def, high TV resolution,
0: maybe they could just zoom in on the thing. I, I, I'm going to say we have all of that. To start with, and and I couldn't I couldn't quite make it worth. So I'm hoping there's a video expert there that can somehow oh, okay. use some sort of interpolation of lines technique. Cause I know that existed, like to take SD videos and project them in H D. So there's a way there, there might be a way to do it anyway. If if it exists, fantastic. If it doesn't, I I'll I completely understand. It may not be possible to torture that video for any more information than, than what's there. All right, what else do we want to talk about? I, the, how about that bobble by Hill as a major turning point in this game, the back of the end zone? That was
1: the turning point, if you ask me, because at that point, like we said, like they were moving the ball at well, and and like they, they, that would have given them the lead. That would have given them the lead, like what 14-7 four, or something like that, right? Yeah, it would have. It would have still been a still been a back and forth thing, but man, you make you see Tyreek Hill make that play. I wouldn't even say nine times out of ten, like ten times out of ten, that was like two, wide open. Truly, an anomaly, and like you can see, like the the right, Marlon Humphrey and the Mark Williams are already looking at each other like, oh man, what the hell, dude? Like they 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 knew they they already already beaten. They figured they were they were down on the scoreboard, and and uh, I haven't seen the all twenty two of their reactions afterwards, or even if it's up there, but they probably looked at the scoreboard. like, Oh wait, he didn't catch it. Hey, great, mm-hmm. you know. So the Ravens really caught a break there, and it, it was just. Against the team like the Ravens who have been playing so consistently complimentary all season, those were the kind of mistakes the Dolphins couldn't afford to have. And you kind of have to play perfect and even kind of get a little lucky to beat this Ravens team the way that they're playing and clicking all silver's right now, really peaking, peaking at the right time on um in all three phases. Even the special teams, man, even special teams is coming around. Yep. And, and it has been excellent the past past couple of weeks. So um yeah, yeah, this this team is this team is definitely hard to beat in the and the Dolphins kind of shot themselves in the foot one too many times.
0: Yeah, I, it, it was it was one of those cases where when the when the Ravens are putting up offense, and this is I think one of the one of the key takeaways for me for the game is is as the Ravens outmatched the Dolphins' ability to score, they took away components of the Dolphins' offense, and so for example, at the end of the half, the Dolphins, I mean, their strength of of for the entire game was throwing their short outside passes and letting A-Chan A- and others go crazy. Well. They kept trying to do that, and and Darby made a bunch of inbounds tackles at the end of the half mm-hmm. and shut that drive down. Basically, um, they, you know, when it, when the second half came around, they still tried to run the ball a little bit, which had been tremendously successful to that point. But then they really weren't as effective doing it. And then the Ravens made adjustments on in the pass rush. We're going to get to that really shut down the, the the Dolphins' passing game in the second half. Um, I I didn't see exactly how they shut down the tight end, but that was pissing me off in the first half was how open Smythe was oh, yeah. play after play. Um, but I didn't see exactly what they did to do it, whether that was Roquan or not. was Roquan got beat a, a few times yes. on some passes over him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smythe had gotten behind him like, like I think two or three times, and it was just like he was just like right, like almost right there. It's almost like if he would have just dropped a little bit deeper. But you know, that's that's the thing about the Ravens, man. That in this Mike McDonald defense, they 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 take about sometimes a quarter, sometimes even an entire half to kind of feel out the opposing offense. And then once they get those tendencies now to make their adjustments, it's. You know, it's it just lights out. You know, the, the fact that yeah. Deshaun Watson went went fourteen to fourteen is in the second half of that 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 game week week ten or whatever was to me an an anomaly because that hasn't been the case for his Mike McDonald defense all year. And usually, when they get their bearings about them and figure out what you're trying to do to them, you know, it takes it takes an act of God for them to you know really really give up the goat. And um, so yeah, I, I was really excited with the way they and I feel like. Like Roquan really redeemed himself with for those for those you know like see those balls with kind of pick. going, over, going yeah. over his head with that one handed pick, and then when you listen to his breakdown of it, then that like, you know like, it, it 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 illustrates exactly what I just said. If you listen to his breakdown of the pick, he talked about man I, we saw that earlier in the game, and I, and I thought, I man if I was to stay a little bit faster, if I see it again, I wouldn't hit it faster. And that's exactly what he did. He hit it, put his hand out there, and corralled the ball. So this mm-hmm. this is a, such a smart defense on like, all three levels, and it, it's really fun to watch.
0: Yeah. It's been uh, – Roquan has, has, has been very good. And it wasn't his best game. Roquan um, was part of the problem in this game, not being able to get off run blocks, by the way. Both both inside linebackers were quite bad at it. They had other splash plays. So Roquan made up for it with the interception. Queen made up for it with other plays. He had a great screen diagnosis. He did some other good things in this game. But he had a lot of trouble you know, getting blocked. And I think part of it was that Miami's scripted plays are ones they've been practicing all week. And so particularly in terms of the dance steps required to get to the block they think ought to be there, they were extremely good with that. Now, there's other you know, basic principles of blocking come into play and whatnot, but they're also you know, trying to figure out how they're going to get so-and-so blocked up on a play-by-play basis. And they just have a better chance to do that if they're practicing that play instead of going from a conceptual understanding of that play that they would have in general about what's going on, but they, but instead, you know, trying to, to say, Hey, this is where Roquan's going to be. This is where Patrick Queen's got to be. The guards got to get the level two, look for number six and you take care of him. Um, I, I, I just think they have a better chance on the scripted plays. And they probably also had a better chance understanding exactly how to beat the, beat the Ravens corners and get them to make some mistakes when they're doing that. So it's, it was a, it was a combination of things that just did not, did not go well early in that game, and I was very concerned. I, 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 your level of concern on a scale of one to ten for that?
1: Oh man, it was at a it was at a ten. It was at a, it was at a ten. Like you know, because like, like they already came into this thing shorthanded, and I just felt like they were just going to the places where they knew Hamilton usually would would be. And it was I'm like, man, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. And like the, you you think you think the Ravens come out a little bit better against the scripted place? You've kind of seen this style of offense like three times,
2: to- like you know, twice before. Hey guys, I want to tell you about the Eufy Video Lock, because when I'm not podcasting, I am, my day job is a smart home specialist, and the Eufy Video Smart Lock is perfect. This is what you guys need to go get. It replaces the deadbolt on your door, so now you can come home without fumbling with keys, you can just type in a code, or even better, use your fingerprint to unlock after one second. You put your finger there, pops out, my door's open. It's perfect. It also is an integrated video doorbell. We've all seen the video doorbells. We all know the ones that are out there. I've seen many of them get stolen. No one's going to steal this because it's your door lock. It's impossible for them to steal. There's no monthly fee. Other ones do. But this one, it'll record locally, so you never have to pay if you don't want to. The battery, it lasts up to four months. Plus, it notifies you ahead of time. And I mentioned earlier one second fingerprint recognition. No, I meant one second till it opens. The AI self-learning chip will learn your fingerprint even faster. And then it opens up. Completely keyless entry. No more keys. And I know I set this up as I'm a smart home specialist. But anyone can install this. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. That's it. And then you're done. Guys, I love this product. Make sure you check it out. Now, here's the easiest thing to do. Just go on to Google or whatever you prefer and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door just like me, just like Ken.
1: with the Rams and with the 49ers but in both of those games that those teams came out kind of punching the Ravens in the mouth.
0: Yeah, the the so the Rams and the 49ers they both tried to push the ball down the field. This team is like the Bengals. They they're just everything's going to the side. Everything's out quickly. I don't even need to throw the ball downfield. I'll let Mike Tyreek and a Achan uh, you know run with the ball after the catch. Um, that, most of the catches, honestly, short, slanty stuff. I mean, 19 out of 41 dropbacks, um, Tua had the ball out quickly, which is a ridiculous percentage. Just you know, high 40s, 46 percent or something. Um, but the, the last week, uh, the 49ers only had it out seven times quickly, and usually they they, they suffered 66 percent pressure because of that, because they they you know they hung in there trying to throw the ball down the field. Well, you know, they, they, Tua had the ball out so quickly that the Ravens adjusted at halftime and 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 were a much different pass rush in the second half. But uh, it was really a focus of, I in my mind, the, the Dolphins watched this game and um, McDaniel did and McDaniel McDermott, right? Um, McDaniel, a yeah, on. McDaniel, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting up to be that age. Um, and and he said, um, we can't let them do that to us. We 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 are not gonna hold on to the football because look what they did besides that all our weapons are speed and whatnot and they decided not to not to um hold on to the football they got rid of it quickly and they're very effective um and then that was part of what kind of got taken away by by the second half you're down two or three touchdowns you can't afford to keep going short pass short pass short pass yep. and even if you can get first downs doing that you can't score quickly enough to, if you're if you're you know being tackled in bounds so um uh, Anyway, I, I I thought it was great the way the game script kind of took away what the Dolphins could do with the Ravens, uh, you know, outscoring them. Best best defense is good offense is another way to just put it easily in this game.
1: Yeah, 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 and that's that's just another another thing that makes this Ravens team so dangerous. They can they can win in so many ways. They can beat you in so many ways. You know, it's like like it's almost like you try, you try to tie one hand behind their back, they grow another arm. You know, it's just like <laughs> that, that's just, that's, just, that's just that's just how it is, man. It's just. Like I don't know, like I don't know how familiar you are with, with uh, Mortal Kombat. Um, but like you know the, the you you know you you're familiar with Mortal Kombat characters? No. have you ever seen the, the old school movie with the guy Goro with the forearms? No, he's like this. Yeah, he's like <laughs> this, like unstoppable monster dude. He's like this like, big old buff dude with with four arms. He just rips people in half. He's that strong. Um, But yeah, it's kind of it kind of reminds me the, of the Ravens' offense at times, and it, really this team as a whole is just like you know they have like just when you think you you got one arm time behind your back, they hit you with the upper crap with the arm you didn't even see coming. And um and and so yeah, I just love the way this team can just be adaptable and, and adjust on the fly from 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 drive to drive and from half to half.
0: It's a uh uh. Definitely a positive here. The Ravens are now the Devoa darlings um, of recent memory. Let's put it that way. They uh, are they were fourth of uh, the last 40 years coming into the game in terms of Devoa. They moved up to third, mm-hmm. uh, for, through for third highest through 16 games. Um, moving ahead of the 1985 Bears in that regard, still behind the Patriots of 2007 and the 1991 Redskins. But uh, very impressive. They had their fourth 100% Devoe game or better of the season. No other team in the entire span has had more than two in a season. So this Ravens team is very, very special um, from that perspective. It's also the, uh, the Ravens are now the Super Bowl uh, favorites by Devoe at about 40-something 40, 40 percent, 43-44% 40, to win the Super Bowl, which seems very high.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I just I just you have, the day hasn't gone by where Aaron Shots hasn't hasn't tweeted about the Ravens yep. doing something cool in, term, in terms of DVOA. Um, and it's, it's it's really it's really been a fun thing to see. And like usually when you hear team's Super Bowl favorites, either you want to feed into it or like feed into the hype or kind of like, oh, no, I don't I don't want to you don't want to jinx it. But it almost feels like this team is almost, I wouldn't say, unjinxable but it's like, you know, they don't, like, they, they really tune like, yeah, they let some stuff slip, slip to the cracks like, as far as extra motivation, but as far as, like, get, like getting big head, there, there's, there's, there's no way this team does that. There's, there's too many, just like a, a nice blend of hungry hungry youth, uh, ascending talent, and, and veteran experience
0: that um, really makes this team really, uh, really feel like an unstoppable force. A lot of, that, uh, lot of that veteran experience is hungry as well. So uh, let's uh, let's move on. Talk a little bit about the packages. I'm going to kind of go through this quickly, Josh, and uh, especially if you need to do something on your end. But uh, uh, this was a game where they McDonald did not deploy a lot of different packages. Uh, he he had his nickel split three ways between seven big nickel snaps, 41 standard nickel snaps, and four uncovered nickel snaps. Uh, the Uncovered Nickel is a is a fairly specific package where Urban plays on the end. Typically, uh, they only play with one outside linebacker, and they basically drop an outside linebacker in order to add an additional corner. The uh, By comparison, the Big Nickel, um, you know, they, they're playing with three safeties. They used Worley to start the game in that way, and then eventually they couldn't use Worley anymore. And they were using standard with Molette at, at starters, but that didn't work out the whole game. And of course, they had they had um, uh, other changes to the secondary, specifically Humphrey, that they had to deal with losing, um, that they had to had to fill in for as well. So they had a, a number of different combinations. Eventually, ended up with Adams in the slot for one play, and then yeah, I Adams saw that back. Yeah. that was just like only defensive snap of the of the game, wasn't it? It was his first of the year, and then he moved back to for the last two drives. Yeah, for the last. One one driver, two drive, I have to look at it. Um, he, he moved back and he played strong safety, uh, paired up with uh, stone, so Williams got to retire early. okay Okay. yeah, yeah so um, and he played a little bit. I'm sure he'll be active this next week and, and probably take a pretty heavy burden because the Ravens if, if there's any place they really need to rest, it's that safety with Hamilton and um and and uh, Williams probably both being able to benefit from some rest here.
1: Yeah, even if Williams is like good to go, I'd like man, like just like I want to give it his proclivity to get hurt. It's, it's, it's sometimes that guy gets hurt on the most routine plays, like against the Jaguars, just tackling that guy in bounds, falling and hurting his groin. And was like, man, if we could just you know put you on ice for 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 a week or two and just make sure that nothing, because like you know these are the kind of guys that. Like that, that 2019 team, you know, there were so many young young players with with inexperience to where like you would not sure how they how they react or respond to having additional rest. But now you have guys that really truly need it and and really like they're kind of you get guys that are kind of used to getting time off due to injury this year. You go with Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Oh Williams yeah, Marcus rolling for stretches. So you know you're not really gonna have that 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 drop off or that 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 rush factor just because these guys kind of know how to get back and bounce back on the fly.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't honestly really be concerned about that with a player like Williams either. He's he's a longtime veteran. You know, ball hawking skills are very instinctive and natural. And uh, you know, is there an edge of rust that could, could come with that? Maybe, but you know, he's been so productive on a per snap basis when he's been healthy, truly healthy. That it, that it's that it's hard to. Uh, uh, see there be a, a detriment there. But they certainly had to work through a, a lot of different combinations of talent. They did play one snap of 32 dime in the game. That was interestingly, that was the bobbled ball by Hill in the back of the end zone. This so it's on a third and sixth play. They actually brought in dime. Nice to see that because I, you know, I, I certainly have a love of dime um, mm-hmm. that, is, that, is, that is well documented. But I, I like the fact that they got Worley on the field as the third safety when they already had effectively their standard personnel. A um, uh, standard nickel uh, package out there with Moletta at at, uh, at slot, so that was a nice um, uh, that was a nice play. Let's see, was that Mollett? Yeah, it was Moletta slot. Um, what else? What else did I have to say about what was going on in this game? That was pretty much it. They played a few snaps of base thirteen, I believe, in this game, which is a little more than normal. They're still at almost eighty three percent nickel for the year. Very effective. The one point I, I I seem to make fairly regularly about the Ravens is this that. They've allowed 4.6 yards per play in 856 nickel snaps. So it's, this is not any kind of a small sample size by any stretch. It's 82.6 percent of their snaps for the year. I don't know how you ever get a team out of their nickel defense. Like you force them to play some form of base. Um, if you can't, if you can't be more effective moving the football against the nickel, you got to be able to run the ball or you got to be able to pass the ball in some way against a nickel defense, and teams just have not figured it out. I mean, McDonald's just various nickels are too strong uh, to allow that, And, and it basically means the Ravens get to keep five defensive backs on the field all the time.
1: It's Kyle Hamilton, man. I mean, the, he's yeah. really the key. He's really the key to unlocking this whole thing in the various of different ways. I mean, just because like, not all nickel defenses are built the same. Want to know why? Because you don't have a guy like Kyle Hamilton. He's built like that. The guy's a condor, man. He covers so much ground. and can do so many things, and and and, and free up other guys on the defense, both in the front end and the back end, and at all three levels to do to, to pretty much they have free range, but like, okay, we can afford to go a lighter here because we have a guy that can beat box, that can get around people, that can you know like snuff out and sniff out screens. You know, the guy who can who can come screaming like a banshee on on, on down down the line and backside pursuit and tackle like a linebacker. I mean, like I said, this this guy. I'm so glad that they got the number one he wrapped up, so we can just put this dude on ice until until we actually got to play a meaningful game again because
0: he's really the key to making this whole thing happen. I hope 18 days is enough. Certainly, that's the case. And, and I, wouldn't, I would not simplify it that much. I, I will also you know, give credit to other players is that I think a lot of it is scheme-driven, and what they've done with their other slot corners has been remarkable, nothing short of it, in terms of they got a sack out of Ardarius Washington. They got two out of Moleto already this year. I mean, the, the slot corner position has six sacks for the Ravens. That's true. Hamilton got three sacks and a half of football. Um, he's gotten other good pressure um, when he's been in this year, though he hasn't, he hasn't gotten home again since, and he is ridiculously is the best horizontal defender in the game. So you're 100 percent right in terms. Yeah, of- I,
1: yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to take anything away from from Mallet or, or the other guys. I just like this. It's what this guy brings to this defense. It's unlike anything that anybody else can kind of kind of bring in, in the league right now. It's it's really yeah. special. And like I, I really commend the Ravens for holding on to Malad, given how. Early, he got hurt in camp and he pretty much did nothing, but they were like, Hey, this guy is experienced, this guy can be useful. And, um, the fact that I mean, it's almost I wouldn't say that I never want to say a, somebody like a player getting hurt is blessing in disguise, but Pepe having that ankle thing and kind of allowing, allowing Mallet to be you know to remain on the roster has really been a huge blessing in disguise, really.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, Mallet has now become embedded with this defense, so they can't get rid of him. They They, they couldn't they couldn't cut him or even remove his his role after after the way he's played so far but uh, he also had a couple hundred thousand guaranteed money in his deal which that might have been a blessing in disguise too is that they didn't want to give up on the guaranteed money by you know with that handshake cut and return kind of move cuz they didn't, they just didn't have a history with him the way other teams did so, I mean, it could be next year, you know, Mallette may say, yeah, sign me up for that deal. The one Worley had, or the one, you know, Urban has, or all these guys. You can cut me every year, just get me back on the roster. We got a handshake deal. Um, I, I think that he might be amenable to that next year, but the Ravens, you know, they're going to be a little bit careful with players they don't have a history with and try to make sure that works out.
1: Yeah, well, Mollett definitely plays like a raven. Like, like that that, that guy really, like, he sees such a natural fit, not just with the, you know, in the scheme and the defense, but feel I like, feel like the culture. I mean, like, the kind, of, the kind of, like, I don't like to dabble too much in, like, the emotional side, emotional side of the game sometimes. but When you mm-hmm. see the way that this dude, like, hits and tackles in the open field and, like, the way his teammates kind of, like, swim around him and they're like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know, this guy just feels like a raven like even though he even though he began his, his career as a saint and most recently played for the Steelers I mean this dude
0: to me he belongs to purple and black there's a there's something going on on field that I took as a positive at the time and I'm wondering it's just you you have to have a rapport built up with this player before you do something like this but Millett nearly had a past offense on, on a sorry, nearly had an interception and probably should have had his hands in the right place to have an interception. It was on a third down play. They ended up punting on the next play. Um, and the ball, Molette didn't make the catch, kind of puts his head on the ground, then gets his head up. Queen retrieved the football. And this is not on camera, by the way. This is not on the, on the broadcast video. And he threw it back at Molette. And I'm thinking, what kind of teammate do you do that to? It's not a guy you hate. It's got to yeah. be a guy you like. It's you all know, you, love, man. Yeah. It's all love.
1: It's yeah. all love because that was the end of it too. I'm pretty sure he got some. He caught some flack. When yeah. He got to the
0: sideline too. Like,
1: Come on, Art. You know yeah. you got to. You dropping the money. You are dropping the money.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's that's. I mean, I just you if 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 that guy was one of the fence riders or one of the mercenaries on the team that you you know the guys who are there for the money. They don't even really want to play extra games in the playoffs with without getting paid for it kind of thing. It, it, there's always a couple of mercenaries like that on on most football teams. Maybe the Ravens do a better job than others in terms of of weeding them out, but they still exist out there, believe me, in the National Football League. Uh, Mallette is not one of those guys. If he can take it the way he did, because he didn't get up in Queen's face about it or anything like that. I mean, Queen is basically telling him, come on, man, you got to do better than that. And I, I, it's it was it was good that there wasn't a flag or anything for it. But if you saw it at the at the at the game, it's the kind of things like I've never seen that before. I've literally never seen that before. I've never seen you know a, a defensive player throw the football at another defensive player after the play. I've seen them yell at each other. I've seen them you know motion each other and and you know go up and say you know you got to be here. And and sometimes they're nice about it, and sometimes they're not nice about it in terms of being you know cocking their head and acting like the other player is stupid. You know, I, I've certainly seen that from Marlon Humphrey and from Marcus Peters at times. But, I, I you know, I, I have not ever seen that specific thing happen on an NFL, on an NFL field. Yeah, no, that's, that's all love, man.
1: If they didn't if they didn't care, they wouldn't show it.
0: All right, let's talk about the pass rush a little bit because that was one of the really great stories of this game. Uh, the Dolphins, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, really had watched the tape very clearly, that San Francisco game. And advanced scouting, the way it typically works, is you watch the last four games – probably with a heavier weighting towards the most recent game. Um, and uh, the plan for McDaniel clearly was get the ball out quickly. Um, and and for the entire first half, that's basically exactly what the Dolphins did. They got the ball out quickly. And um, everything the Ravens tried um, in terms of numbers, in terms of uh, blitzes and whatnot, really didn't work. I mean, it, it didn't mean they had – Outstanding results in terms of those individual plays, but the Ravens didn't get pressures because of the things they tried um, in terms of that. So uh, they only had three five-plus man rushes for the entire game, which is very unusual. Um, so, so it was another three sacks with, with 37 four-man rushes, by the way, which is really outstanding. But um, in terms of, of what McDonald did, the halftime adjustment is the greatest thing I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. I mean he's he's done it time and time again. It's almost like it's almost like he has two different game plans or just like concoct something completely oh completely totally different like here. Here are the things that we're gonna tweak and they're gonna we're, and they're they're not gonna be able to do shit the rest of the game. Like you know, like we're gonna we're gonna really shut them down, and you saw the Ravens make those slight adjustments. You know, getting to getting to places, getting to spots faster, getting to drops a little a little deeper. You know, cloud, clouding the coverage. um, You know, for for two at the counter. Whenever you take away his his first first reader or two, because sometimes like McDaniel will have have quick reads in there for, to go. All right, check one, check two, kind of thing. Like really, that um. That, um I don't know if you watch the uh, the hard in season hard knocks, but it's been pretty insightful. I mean, I've been keeping up with it because there's a guy from Alaska on the Dolphins, um, but just like kind of watching the way that that uh, McDaniel's I would say coddles, but like really kind of kind of. Um, Uplifts and empowers. That one was uh, empowers to it to this. things like, hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in a position that you know that where you're gonna always have somebody get to get the ball out quick. We're gonna protect you, kind of thing. And um that's really kind of been their thing all season. So I was I, I knew the ball was gonna be a. I was I was surprised that the Ravens were, were were got three sacks. And I I knew it had to be a result of them you know crowding the coverage and really making them really making a hold the hold the ball a beat, um to get those things because that guy's been come hella high water. He's getting the ball out, and so they get three sacks against this offense and against. Against this quarterback, it's really impressive.
0: Yeah, it was. It was very impressive, and and the, you know, it, it was it was typical Ravens stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. I just want to talk about the, the the specific adjustments themselves. So, McDonald, seeing all this ball out quick in the first half, in the second half had zero rushes of five plus. Every single rush was a four man rush. Okay, they had one, one man drop from the line of scrimmage. They never had two. So zero simulated pressures in the second half, as I define it, which is a, a two-man drop, or two, two or more. They only had one for the whole game. They had zero off-ball blitzes in the second half. Now, they could have still had an off-ball blitz and dropped one, one man from the line of scrimmage, and it still would have you know been a four-man rush. So it's, I, I, what I'm saying is not redundant here is the, is the point I'm making, but they didn't have a single one. The second half, zero stunts. Now the Ravens live and die with stunts. A lot of those stunts are called from the sideline. A lot of those stunts are also called from the field themselves. The players agree on this play we're going to stunt and they have a code word or whatever. They talk to each other before the play. They're allowed to do that. Anytime there's not a blitz, the only time they would stop in the manner they did and not have any for an entire half is if McDonald specifically said to them, no more stunts. They're taking too much time for us to get home Mm -hmm. Get, get there as fast as you can. With a standard four-man rush, lane integrity, uh, but get there as fast as you can with that, because we, we you know, the ball is otherwise going to be out too quickly. Our coverage won't hold up, and all of that in the second half, the Dolphins had 14 pass plays and got 43 net yards, 3.1 yards per play. So that was one hell of a freaking adjustment to to get that going, and, and about as an extreme an adjustment as I've ever seen too.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the combination of going against this offense and then also being shorthand in the secondary, I knew that, you know, this wasn't going to be a big stunt and twist kind of game. Just because, you know, you were going against a quarterback on the offense, doesn't leave in holding onto the ball long enough for you to set that up. And and the fact that you don't you necessarily you might not have like coverage to hold up. So um, you know, like I, I just know that they were like once he did once he was out there, didn't see 21 or 44. You know, there's really no really no point in trying to trying to trying to game game up any stunts because he was going to get the ball out and trust his guys over our backup guys.
0: Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the way that worked. Um, I'll talk about ample time and space, BoQ and pressure. So this was this was kind of the defining thing for Tua. Ample time and space, thir- thirteen times. That's thirty two percent. That's going to happen, by the way, when you get a four man pass rush going, you're going to you're going to give up some ample time and space opportunities, and they did. Now, here's the good part. They only gave up 72 yards on those plays. So 5.5 yards per play, that's terrible for having a full three-second pocket Mm -hmm. and the ability to step into your throw. One sack and one turnover included in those. So I think that was the interception to – Stone? I think it was was the Roquan interception, actually. I think the Stone intercepted – well, maybe not. Let me look real quick. So the first interception was the I zero was a ball out quick, and so it was the stone interception was the ATS.
1: Yeah, because cause they they rushed the throw on the on the Roquan interception. They tried to beat two minute warning, and I was like, you're getting too greedy. Usually, when people get too greedy in those yeah. kind of situations, it tends to backfire, especially against especially against this Ravens defense and 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 and, uh, and the linebacker like Roquan.
0: Like I said, a guy who's like that smart and intellectual man. It's
1: just yeah, that was, that was a no no.
0: Yeah, it was it was certainly a bad play. Ball out quick. The Dolphins did it were effective. 19 plays, 46%, 136 yards, 7.2 yards per play. They did have the one turnover as we just talked about. Pressure. Now the Ravens have been getting about a 42% pressure rate for the entire season, 22% in this game. Nine pressures. Most of them did come in the second half. No, that's not really true, but they had they had four pressures in the second half. On fewer total pass plays, so a, a, a good, pre, a better pressure rate in the second half. Um, and they had 13 yards on those plays, 1.4 yards per play, and two sacks. So when they did get pressure, they were effective with it. But they, but they uh, did not get frequent pressure in in this football game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like you could tell Tua was, was was trying to hold the ball a little bit more in the second half just because, like, they found themselves down, down, down big. And then even when they were able to kind of cut it a little close, like once the Ravens extended that lead again, it was like, okay, now we got to go all out. I'm like, man, like, at a certain point, I know you guys dug way weight of a 21-point hold, like, this time last You know, not this time last year, but last year, week two. This isn't the same Ravens. Okay, this isn't the same Ravens. You guys aren't the same Dolphins, and I feel like, yeah, honestly, I feel like they left a lot of their starters in there a little too long, and it, it really sucks. The way with the Bradley Chubb, you know, him tearing his ACL, um, down, you know, still playing down thirty points, um, so I really, I really like the way that the Ravens kind of were just kept a foot on the gas on on um on both sides of the ball in this game.
0: Yeah, we've got one question. It's kind of about the the pass rush here uh this was on december 28th so i think this is still good for this week um he says this is from lyman's i'm sorry i can't read that lyman's backpack that's what he says And he says can you mention in the past that one of cleveland's strength uh no that's not that's not, i'm looking at the wrong one this uh, the one i'm looking at is supposed to be about clowny and i lost it here yeah, discussing uh, discussing the pod during the pod, you mentioned you discussed the upcoming free agency for Clowney and Pierce, as well as McDonald's chances as a head coach next year. In my opinion, these are linked. McDonald will want to bring in uh, his guys, and they'll want to play for him too. I, I don't. I, by the way, I, I don't disagree with that. We, see, we certainly see what happened with Joe Douglas and the Jets, and he, he, you know, creating a Ravens North kind of situation with a lot of the. Uh, lesser players, frankly, that were, were were let go by the Ravens, but um, I don't think that McDonald is necessarily going to be able to buy Pierce or Clowney away from a Ravens organization that's highly successful. If he has to go start at the bottom, someplace like Arizona, say, um, or 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 maybe someplace else, I just don't. I really don't see that kind of uh, dynamic. I think you, you you get the you get the players at the bottom end. You get maybe that breakout player who's trying to get. Establish himself as a team leader, so maybe Queen next year somewhere. Yeah, Queen think- or Stone for sure. Yeah. Anyway, uh, appreciate the question, Lyman, and and uh, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us, um, Josh. It's always a pleasure talking football with you, of course, and and uh, you know what you bring to this is great. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online and where they can read your work.
1: Oh yes, you can read all the Raven stuff at BaltimoreBeattown.com. Uh, it's where all my Raven stuff
0: presides. You can find me on Twitter at Josh Reed907. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you want to be on a film study short, hit me up. I'm already planning a couple of these for the second bye week, if we want to call it that, before the before the playoffs begin. Love to talk to you and uh, have already some good ideas in the door, but but always looking for more. Um, and I'll get back to you very quickly if you want to do that. If you're a longtime listener of the show you want to promote the show in some way, please tell that other person about the pod and, uh, and get them listening to it. And if you can even help that person to listen to it off the website, that's sometimes the easiest way to get somebody started who's a little resistant otherwise to downloading pods or uh, uh, might be older, whatever the case might be. That's certainly, I have a little resistance to that personally, so I can kind of understand why that might be the case for, for a lot of people. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks again for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next
2: time on Film Study everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or Mc Crispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time